0: Welcome to today's FFI on Friday. We're pleased to feature Grace Lorden, Associate Professor of Behavioral Science and Founding Director of the Inclusion Initiative at the London School of Economics. She is delivering the closing keynote at the FFI Global Conference in October. Her presentation will focus on women and the future of work, both within and outside the multi-generational family. This is Jordan Rich. Grace, let's have you tell us more about what your talk at the FFI Conference will be all about.
1: The keynote that i deliver at FFI is really going to focus on women, the future of work, and also particularly family business, so what this actually means for family for family businesses. And my work basically looks at predicting what jobs are going to become obsolete in the future. So thinking about when we look forward 10 years and 20 years, given the type of patents that people are investing in now, what are the things that actually might become automatable? And If you look at those jobs, so if you take the kind of longer run perspective, it looks like the type of work that women do much more now in comparison to men, we're going to have more jobs in that. So you might imagine that this will have some big positive impacts for um, the, the gender equality gap when it comes to pay, when it comes to promotions, when it comes to people being on executive boards. However, if we look at what's happening now in the economy when the recession has started to bite, both within family businesses and um, companies that are listed, the people who had the most redundancies do look disproportionately to be women as compared to men from the early data that's coming out. And that's because women still tend to stay in roles that are more background roles as compared to income generating roles. So the question that I kind of be, I I will be exploring and I will be posing is how do we bring these two things together? So should we be safeguarding women's futures and thinking about very strategically, who we're making making redundant now and who we're investing in now. And more than that, how should family business evolve to get some of the gains that are coming from artificial intelligence now um, and also in the future?
0: Can you specify a bit as to what kinds of jobs we're talking about that may be uh, on the more redundant scale? Here.
1: there's a few types of jobs so the the, the the traditional type of jobs people focus on are the ones with routine tasks so anything that you can imagine that's routinized is likely to be made redundant and obsolete and um, the new technologies artificial intelligence is causing is calling what I call a polarized automation of jobs which basically means that if you're a lawyer if you're a marketer if you're someone in in creation there's a big complement to your jobs now uh, from having artificial intelligence embedded both in your business and as your friend if if, if you're an employee, but that will mean less of those jobs will be available in the future unless we we have growth. And then the last are the type of jobs where the technology has become available, like driverless cars, um, bricklaying, but the policies within some countries don't allow yet there to be a driverless car. So thinking about what the, what, what the policies actually mean as well is fundamentally quite interesting. So those are those are the three types, the ones that everyone agrees are automatable, mm-hmm. the ones that some people are a bit sketchy about, but we know the technology is there to automate a lot of the boring tasks. So we think the people doing the kind of very foundational jobs will disappear or, or, or become less. And then the last are these ones which really are the moonshot for um really are the moonshot for technology, that they're actually doing some of the tasks that human beings do with respect to movement of fingers and movements of hands. And the technology is starting to look good, but the policies aren't there yet within cities and within countries.
0: People are probably the most important resource, at least right now. So uh, is part of your messaging uh, about how family business can keep and attract successful and innovative female workers for this part of our discussion.
1: Yeah, we'll be talking about um keeping attracting but also leveraging the talent. So you're spot on that the the talent we have in the organizations are, are what determines the future, but really when we look within firms and we look at the productivity coming out per person within firm there's some frictions at the moment. So I think some discussion around what those frictions actually are and how they can be um how, how, how they can be taken away. Some discussion around how our artificial intelligence and other technologies can help and the type of ones that people should be looking at that will be exciting. And then also looking at diverse talent, which obviously includes women.
0: You mentioned AI, and we can't escape talking about that. It's everyone's conversation point over coffee, or in your case, tea, <laughs> depending on where you are. <laughs> uh, how rapidly is this changing the landscape, in your estimation?
1: Yeah, so I think we had a big bump when um, ChatGPT came out, and people realised the functionality of generative AI. And there's some really good applications in health. There's some really good applications in retail. I think now things are kind of slowing down because people are realising actually the limitations of the technology. So having having explored it so much. But I think what's really interesting is what's on the horizon. So what seems to be on the horizon with artificial intelligence is we will now be in a place where the artificial intelligence that's in front of us is five, ten times more intelligent than us and can stimulate what it would mean to have five people with you and being creative. And thinking about what that means for the people who you actually employ becomes fundamentally really important. I think it's really important that you don't have employees that are afraid of this technology and that are, are moving away from it. But at the same time, it's really important that we don't just start making, letting the machines make decisions. So mm. for me, artificial intelligence becomes a data point. It becomes a resource. It becomes another piece of information, but fundamentally does replace human beings.
0: Ultimately, it could be a cozier fit for people who don't want to work in an office five days a week who want to be remote, who want to do things sort of on their own time schedule, these technologies and AI as one of them can make that easier. So adapting all of this together and and using it to our advantage might also be something that people can consider.
1: It can. I and mean, we see that now. We see some companies moving towards having entirely remote campuses meaning that people can essentially be nomads and they can travel around your beautiful country and and see many places that they would never have gotten to see had they had a full-time job and then on the other side we see people who are leading organizations who say you must be in five days a week and i think we don't know who is right in this in this argument and it's likely to vary from company to company but i would love to get um, family businesses really thinking about What is the mode of working that makes them the most productive? And does that change within functions of the organization so they can think about the type of work that they offer to people? If you offer people um, hybrid working, um, it's cheaper, for example. You also get different talent than if you expect people to be in the office and really that conversation around planning, the, the type of, of offering that they're going to give to humans going forward, particularly if they're going to be working more with these technologies.
0: Grace, why is pay equity so important to any consideration in a family as well as anybody else? I mean, we hear about it. People still raise the issue. What role does the family business have in assuring better equity in terms of pay?
1: Well, I think the family business has a huge role in this because it's a huge part of the economy. So I think any conversation around pay equity has to include family businesses. And in fact, if family businesses took the lead in this, the way that they could actually um, close the, the pay gap will be quite fundamental. I think why we care about it is that there are segments of society that are getting paid differential wages for the same type of work. And fundamentally, that's what it comes down to. And there's really good evidence that because we pay, women less than men for the same type of work, that women then make, make choices to be less attached to the labor market, to take more time off to raise their family. And the men end up being the breadwinner. And there's a lot of productivity models that suggest that we're actually losing a lot of talented people to this, that potentially the most talented person in the family isn't necessarily working. So again, it's really about rethinking, number one, do you want to offer more flexible working? speaking to how society is now, where men and women are doing this, the equal equal amounts uh, or, or less than equal amounts of, of homework? And do you also want to offer men more opportunities to be with their family? You know, we rarely talk about men and the idea that men don't want to be with their families, that they want to work 60 hours a week, that they that they really want to work to this level of intensity, has also been detrimental to men. They they suffer higher levels of stress at work. They have lower levels of job satisfaction. And, you know, men do die younger, younger than women. So again, when we think about equity and the whole puzzle, it isn't just about making sure that women get paid equal to men. It's also making sure that men get equal work-life balances compared to women.
0: There's also a question of training, preparation, and education. In the United States, now more women are attending college than men. I don't know what the stats are in England. It certainly sounds like it should bode well for women in terms of better jobs, better pay, uh, maybe even outranking men uh, for the first time. What are your thoughts on that?
1: So since 1992, both in the US and the UK, women surpassed in the number of degrees. We've had this for a long time, but women still do different types of education as compared to men. And I think some of the choices that women make, they shy away from engineering, they shy away from finance, they shy away from economics, leads it to be when they exit the type of jobs that are available to them are just different to men. And I guess a question then for family business is, Do you want to start being quite forgiving of undergraduate choice when you have to do most of the training for individuals anyway and rethink how you hire talent in those early days? And I know a lot of bigger companies that have had success doing that. They've really said, look, maybe we don't care what the person studied in college. They're going to learn a lot in our organisation anyway. So what we'll do instead of relying on universities to give grades to decide um, who gets to join our company we will assess them by tasks ourselves, and, and and that has been quite successful.
0: When one fills their staffs, one family business, let's say, fills its staff with more than just uh, men in suits. What are the advantages to that? Assuming that you're attracting talented women,
1: you know, really, when we talk about putting diversity around board tables. We're not talking about just having people who look different. You're talking about having people who think different. So what you really want is cognitive diversity. So if you have people who are going forward in an uncertain world, most sectors are experiencing lots of uncertainty, where given that the executive suite are the ones who make the big decisions, they should have lots of different perspectives and cost, benefits and risk to allow them to do that. And unfortunately, we can't see inside people's brains and measure their cognitive diversity so well. So one way to think about it is if you have people who are born um, with different genders, people who are born in different geographies, people who are born um, within different belief systems, they're likely to be exposed to things that would allow them assess different pictures differently. And that's why we count women. That's why we count other demographics. But fundamentally, what we're trying to do is get people around board tables who think differently. So the company is actually insulated against uncertainty.
0: You wrote a book with a terrific title, Think Big, Take Small Steps and Help Your Clients Build the Future They Want. So let's apply that title (laughs) to the final uh, question here. And that is, as you address the FFI conference, what are a few small steps family business leaders can even think about right now, not giant leaps, but small steps that can start to make a difference and really improve their situation?
1: So I think the first thing is try to get clear on the mode of working that makes their firm more productive and don't worry what's happening in the outside world. So that will vary from company to company and there's very easy models that allow you to do that. I think the second is to really think about your people and the type of skills that you would like them to have. And I would encourage family business to really think about you know, AI skills that people are, are are talking a lot about, but they're pretty easy to diffuse, but also the type of skills that would allow their employees navigate uncertainty. So being more adaptable, being more open, thinking about ego and leaving leaving ego at the door, the type of soft skills that we know kind of work well well in this economy. Um, And then I think the third thing is to really look at kind of pulse points of how content people are actually feeling on the job, how, how the folk in their organizations are feeling on the job and looking to see when there is high points and when there is low points and trying to make those high points slightly higher and trying to buffer those low points and I I suggest this because it's actually good for employee well-being which is good for productivity but it's also really good for attention Um, and then I think the last in the spirit of the book is that I think that they should think big without constraints about what the future might actually bring for their family business and put in place small steps that moves them towards that goal knowing that even if they don't reach these blue sky thinking that they've imagined that just by having those small steps they'll get further than they would have had they not set that goal.
0: Well, Grace, we thank you for your time, your attention, your expertise, and your passion for this subject. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Jordan. And I'm really looking forward to being in New York. So if anyone is listening and has spare time and wants to meet me before or after my session, please do reach me via my website, which is www.gracelorden.com. I would love to see you.
0: Our thanks to Grace Lorden, closing keynote speaker at the October FFI Global Conference in New York City. Our discussion centered on women's progress in the workplace and the future of work. The FFI Global Conference brings together thought leaders from around the world to share their latest work and research in the family enterprise field. To learn more, visit www.ffi.org. Thank you for listening.